0: Hi there, I'm Marianne Lozano, President of the Broadleaf Board of Directors and the Conference Chair for the 9th Annual Broadleaf Writers Conference. This year our conference will be held Saturday and Sunday, September 21st and 22nd at the Decatur Library in Decatur, Georgia. The 9th Annual Broadleaf Writers Conference offers two days of panels, workshops, one-on-one pitch and mentoring sessions, a first pages critique, opportunities to meet and chat with our guest authors and literary agents and plenty of time to spend with a community of fellow writers and attendance. We strive to attract top level speakers, both with a track record of success in the industry, as well as those just beginning their careers with the capacity and desire to help writers on their path to publication. This year, we're thrilled to be headlined by New York Times bestselling author, Mary Kay Andrews. Registration for the 9th Annual Broadleaf Writers Conference opens May 1st, so be sure to save the date. To learn more about our conference, I hope you'll visit our website at broadleafwriters.com. See you this fall!
1: Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of Right Now, a podcast on the craft and business of writing presented to you by Broadleaf Writers Association based in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm your host, Zachary Steele, and on today's episode, I'm pleased to welcome author, wordsmith, and word and story historian, Chris Spizek. Chris is the author of Get a Grip on Your Grammar, the novel editing workbook, and the family story workbook. Additionally, Chris is the author of The Baba Yaga Mask, a novel inspired by her family's experience in post-World War II Ukrainian diaspora. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today?
2: Doing well, Zach. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, no, it's great. I would love to, to always have a conversation with you about writing, but especially since uh, editing is the conversation today, um, you were the first person I thought of because uh, I've heard you talk on editing a number of times and mm-hmm. always learn something from it. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to share some of that wisdom with um, our listeners today.
2: Well, I always do get overly excited about the editing process. It's where the magic happens, right?
1: I'm I'm a big fan of it as well. It's like, you know, I, I feel like the the struggle to sit down and write is harder for me than it is to sit down and edit. Because I love that part of it. I love being able to take what is there and and really meld it into the story that it will become.
2: Right. And people sometimes think about the creative process in terms of the writing journey, but editing itself is a piece of the journey. And I don't say that because it's this other long piece you have to slog through and get to that finish line, although there is an element of that. But editing is another stage where, again, that's where the magic can happen. It's where you take that rough draft, whether no matter how solid that rough draft is, and you tweak it and cajole it and just twist it like licorice into something sweet, right?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've often said that um, writing is um, what creates the book, but editing is what creates the story, because Definitely. it's it's so easy to weave things, to, so so much easier to weave things together and to see the whole picture when you're, you're editing than when you're first sitting down with a
0: draft.
2: Exactly, and who is it who has that quote that you can't edit a blank page? You have to get Get it to the point where you have a draft there, where you have your story written, but then you can edit. No matter what form it's in, you can make it It's, it's true.
1: It's true. Write the damn book is always the first thing. Right. Um, yeah, So we're gonna we're gonna assume at this moment right now that that um, either somebody's writing the damn book or they've already written the damn book, and and once they have, the the question becomes what they do. They're at the beginning of the end. What, what do they do? Um, so for you in your writing. Um, what is the first thing you do in editing and then as a sort of aside to that what what do you recommend because you know it's not a one-size fits-all sort of thing
2: oh absolutely well the first thing that I think is so essential for every single creative to remember is that if you have written a first draft think about how many people in the world say they want to write a book say they want to do a thing but they don't Get to that finish line. So the first thing of the editing process, which is always my go-to, is throw that confetti, pop that champagne, go <laughs> run a victory lap, whatever your celebration is for you. It's like run around your ho- house and just give high fives to all your family members. They don't even need to know what you're up to, <laughs> mm-hmm. but celebrate the fact that you did it because Amen. that's just amazing, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, that's, I preach that too. It was like celebrate every single step of exactly. this because it is something to be celebrated. So, okay. We've popped the champagne. We've, we've annoyed <laughs> our family by high fiving them for no reason. Now what?
2: Now what? Okay. Fair question. So often I recommend giving yourself a little bit of distance from your work. This doesn't mean run around your house, give all those high fives and come right back to your chair and start page one, chapter one and start editing because that's not quite what the process is. Your brain needs time to rest, to take in that celebration um, and to actually find a way to think about it when you're not so close to it. Because you and your brain, you know what your project is. You can already see the movie version of your project rolling as you're done. But you need to actually examine now the words on the page as they actually came out. So you need to make sure you have a little bit of distance. Now, how much distance that is depends on a lot of things. It depends on if you have a deadline with your publisher. Maybe you don't have time for a month break. If you have a personal deadline that you're working for, uh, maybe you don't have time for weeks upon weeks. Give yourself a day. Give yourself a week give yourself a little bit of time before you dive into that process and then when you do have that moment where you're ready to dive in with fresh rested eyes you need to make sure that you're diving in at the appropriate place um zach i know we've talked about this a million times before people need to think about what editing actually means editing is not a catch-all phrase that it's this one thing that you go to page one chapter one and you begin Editing comes in phases. You have to understand the big piece, get all the big structural parts in place. Make sure your characters have depth. Make sure um, your point of view makes sense for your project. make sure sh- makes sh- sure that your tense is consistent through your entire book. There's so many big picture decisions. I like to call them macro edits. Um, You can get into the developmental edits. You can call them, there's so many vocabulary words around these ideas. When you approach your editing, you need to remember it comes in phases. You don't just start on the first sentence. You have to think about the bigger pieces of the puzzle. And then from the bigger pieces, you wind your way down. You go through making sure your plot makes sense, making sure um, your structure of your story makes sense. And then as you edit, you kind of go from the big pieces that you have to fix and polish, to the more fine tuning pieces where you're getting down to your paragraph level, where you're getting down to your sentence structure, where you're getting down to your recognizing that you're using this one word 100 times through the course of your manuscript. And then I'm after- fi-
1: The find and search function is, yes, the, is my your favorite best friend there. Yes. We'll go
2: back to that one. Yeah. So, yeah. so you have the macro edit, then you get to the micro edit or the copy, um, the copy edit. And then you get down to the proofreading, which is that looking for every single comma in the right place, making sure you don't have some very strange autocorrect fix that just changes the whole meaning of your final sentence, which wouldn't that be fun? Um, But we have to think about editing in terms of phases and you have to make sure you start in the right place because it would waste a whole lot of time if you spend all of this effort working on the commas and typos and perfection of chapter one, if your chapter 1 ends up being deleted because you know what chapter 3 is really the better entry point of your project so you need to just make sure enter approach it in in phases and then be thoughtful with your approach
1: actually I have two kind of offshoot questions on that one in this this phase situation that we're in where we're we're both waiting and then trying to work through what what comes with the edits next. Um, I get asked often about when is the right time to send the manuscript off to beta readers mm-hmm. or to critique partners? Um, do you do that before you start your edits or do you try to get through some of your edits first then send it off?
2: That's such a great question. I always try to get through a little bit, not every single edit. I try to get through a little bit of my own edits before I send it out because you know who knows your book better than anybody else in the world? You. So your vision in your head may or may not have made it to the page yet. You want to do a double check of that before you share it with the world because the worst thing of a beta reader is if someone doesn't get it at all and they give you feedback on a story that isn't the story you meant to tell. And again, it having a beta reader is a valuable, valuable thing. You want Mm -hmm. to make sure you get the most out of that relationship if you have them, not asking them to read 10 different drafts of your book. Um, I mean, who doesn't want that writing bestie, but we want to make sure we appreciate those folks. And if we want to get the most out of a beta reader, you want to give them the best possible version of your book. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to make sure that it matches the vision in your mind. You want to make sure the story is everything you want it to be first.
1: And, and you, you talk about a book being perfect, um, the, (laughs) the other, right, right. But see, that's the thing though, is that a writer is always going to pursue it. And, and so there's the edit and edit and edit and edit and you, the, the, the loop that you get stuck in, like, oh, I can go back and do this. Oh, I can go back and do this. Mm -hmm. When is it, when do you stop?
2: Hmm.
1: Like if you're still a writer trying to find an agent, let's, let's, let's speak to that, that level of writer. Um, when, when is enough enough? When do you send, um, off to submission? How do you know you're done? At least at that point.
2: So my favorite way to look at that question is to give yourself an actual checklist. What to you matters the most with your book? Do you need to make sure that little niggling voice in the back of your head that is telling you something about your book that might not be there. Are you answering that niggling voice? Are you playing with that chapter two that maybe it's passing the test, maybe it's getting there, but maybe not. If you have a niggling voice about that character who's flat, that chapter that is weak, that paragraph that is not working for you. Listen to that niggling voice. I always like to put together a checklist of what are the to do's that I need to do for this book. The checklist never ends, but putting together a checklist of, you know what, I need to read the first paragraph of every single chapter of my book, only the first paragraph, and look at if someone pulled out a bookmark at that moment of my book, am I bringing them back into the story every single first paragraph of every single chapter of the book? There's an exercise that you can go through and say, wait a second, because you want to pull your reader back in. You don't want them to put back in the bookmark. I always say you go to the very last paragraph of every single chapter of the book. Are you concluding this moment? Are you inviting the reader to put in a bookmark, or are you tugging them to make them want to turn the page? Hint, you want them to turn the page after every single, well, after every single page, but at the end of every single chapter. You need to make sure every single scene is holding its weight, that it's not there just because it was really fun to write, or not really there because it was a fun research anecdote, or because it was a really funny moment, but doesn't actually relate to the plot. So you need to make sure everything is There for a purpose. You need to make sure to give yourself a little checklist of exercises to make sure you're maximizing your effort with the book. Because again, you're the one who knows the book the best. So you're the one who can bring it to life the best possible way. And when you create that list for yourself, Then go through it and I say, okay, I have done everything I can physically think of with this book. I'm going to just put my line in the sand. Once I cross off every item on this list, I can move forward. So you just have to make that list for yourself. And I will, uh, shameless plug here, um, say that I wrote uh, the novel editing workbook for exactly this purpose, because sometimes we have no idea how do we even move forward in the editing process. There are 100 books on writing, but there are not that many books on how to edit. Um, So I wrote that book, the novel editing workbook on giving people a checklist to take off the list. It doesn't mean you have to do all 105 exercises in the book, but you know what your novel needs and you need to make sure to check that off to the best of your ability before moving it on. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, um, I'm not very familiar with like the five love languages, but if there's one of them that involves ch- checklists, that's me. Um, <laughs> so I love hearing you talk about checklists. Um, it's such a, a structured way. It's like it's like outlining your life and, and it's like, you know, what whatever you can do to, to give yourself a, a leg up on on what you need to get done. Um, so you had talked about the the different styles of editing you know developmental editing line copy editing proofreading and and, and some of these are words that, that folks don't actually hear until they've got the publishing contract and they, right. they're then they learn there's like three different levels of editing that you're going to go through after you've gone through all this process of editing to get it accepted so um keeping in mind that the end goal is to have a book that's published um, and we're and we're going to take the traditional route rather than the self published route right now, um, knowing that there's going to be a lot of very detail oriented editing that's done with the publisher. How much of of this list, like developmental copy editing, proofreading, should an author work through, and at what point are they better served to have a professional help them?
2: It's a hard question because I think many of us had this vision. And those of us who are at a certain point in our writing career, we can say past tense had this vision, but many people still have the vision that the creative writes the book and then we sell the idea. And then the publisher helps us craft this slightly imperfect thing into this mega movie deal, this New York Times bestseller, all of this stuff. The wonderful thing about the world today is there are more ways to publish than ever before in human history. There are more ways to get your work out there than ever before. However, the flip side of that coin is there are more writers writing today with the goal of getting published than ever before in human history. It's awesome, but it's also a challenge because if you wanna have your work be picked up by a publisher, it needs to be good. Not only do you not have to have typos in your query letter I mean, not only do you need to really sell the book, the hook and the cook in your proposal, but you need to make sure your manuscript shines from its sentence structure to its language joints, to your plotting points, to your concept, to how you execute the entire thing. So the editing point is part of the process, is essential if you want your book to be picked up by that publisher, to go as far as you want it to do. If you only do it halfway, you're not going to get that book deal. Um, It's just a sad truth of the situation. So you want to put in as much as you possibly can, but the book is never um, necessarily finished. We just find our stopping point. So we find our stopping points for pitching, for launching, for going to the publisher, something like that. And we need to make sure we put in everything we can before that point. When we get to that publisher, that is where they're going to read it, share their two cents. And this is where you're going to work with the developmental editor who's going to bring their insight into the process. And these are publishing professionals who know the industry, who know the audience, who know the readership and the genre really, really well, ideally. So they're going to maybe help you realize, you know what, this one scene, what if we did something else here or this one moment? What if this chapter begins here instead? Or what about this one part? Maybe we could push a little bit farther. Those are the developmental editors who are looking at the big picture pieces and pushing something a little bit or taking something away, but the big structural concepts. And again, you wanna take care of the big pieces before the little pieces. So with a publisher, you'd work with someone to make sure your structure and all the big pieces are in place as powerfully as possible. And then you would move forward with a copy editor or a line editor to make sure that all of the little pieces are in place to making sure all of your characters aren't using the exact same catchphrase, (laughs) making sure that you don't have the word just or the word very sneaking in all over the place, all of these things, just the smaller level pieces. And only at the end would you work then with a proofreader who's making sure every T is digitally crossed and every I is digitally dotted.
1: Yeah, I'm um I'm a huge fan of developmental editing, which is you know very much focused on the story and getting the story right and making sure your your character is have depth and vibrancy. And I I uh, you talk about shameless plugs. I'm gonna talk about the weight of ashes here real quick and my mm-hmm. experience with this because um this was where I really began to understand the importance of somebody, not myself, looking at a book from a developmental standpoint. Um which was, it was a fine book and they were very happy with it, except for one thing. Um, it has to do with four kids and they basically just said, the developmental editor basically just said that what you need is you need more kid moments. Just let them be kids in a few scenes because right now they're great characters, but they're lacking that, that kid feel for them. And so um, they gave me the leeway to go in wherever I wanted in the story, and I threw some, you know, gaming references and some show references, and I had them sitting in a, you know, they were in the woods. I had this one little scene where they just took a break and they were talking like kids and and you know, bouncing around topic to topic. And um and when I passed it back in, they were like, "That's it. That's what you needed." And and then we moved on to the next level. So it's it's why it's so important to have someone in your circle. If you're trying to get public, to have someone in your circle that you can trust or people that you can trust to help you get that that outside look at your story and help you develop the story and characters even further so that they're ready and they have that depth, um, which is not easy. And, and, and also leads me to another question for you. Um, how, how did you learn to work with others um, who were trying to help you edit or develop your story?
2: It's one of those lessons we learn in kindergarten (laughs) about kindness to others and listening to each other's ideas and respecting each other. It's hard because our creative works, people often use the term of these are our babies. We're so close to them. We're so proud of them. There couldn't be any imperfections there. However, advice is good because We don't always see what is actually on the page because we know what's in our heads so very well. We don't always see what has translated from our brains down our spinal cords, shoulders, arms, wrists, fingertips to keyboard. We don't always see what actually comes out. So those beta readers early on and later those voices at a publishing house are just invaluable for seeing the different things. Um, Practice makes perfect for one of these things. I have been a fiction editor myself um, for over a decade. And with my clients, I had always focused, I hope, to always help them push their story to be as powerful as it could possibly be, but also to celebrate the good moments. And I think that is what, as a beta reader, you should be doing if you're ever on that side of things to celebrate what's done well, as well as to question what isn't quite working well. Because a writer sometimes needs that celebratory um, moments amidst all the analysis. We have to make sure everyone is hearing how amazing this thing is in the midst of it. Um, But also hearing all those questions, the beta reader's job is not to necessarily give the answer of how to fix something, but the beta reader's job is often to raise the question of something about this is not working. Now, what is it? Um, And while we're talking on beta readers, I do really wanna um, emphasize with folks that if you're looking for beta readers, it can be a really hard thing to find. Where do I find my beta readers? Remember that you can return the favor. Remember, if you are desperately looking for beta readers, look about how you can be a beta reader for someone else. Because when you find those trading relationships, it's so much more fair and easier to find people to read your book if you are also willing to read somebody else's. Um, But in terms of helping along the readership, understanding things, one thing I always appreciate, because in my novel, The Baba Yaga Mask, I have three points of view that I am jumping between, two of which are contemporary and one of which is 1941 Ukraine. And I have three female main characters who are jumping between these three threads. When it comes to empowering your editing process, when it comes to characters, especially when you have three characters who are perhaps related or three characters who in some way, there's a possibility that the reader might confuse them. It's really good to think about specificity in characters and specificity with emotion. Because when you're thinking about people who you know in real life, somebody walks into the room and without them holding up a sign like Wiley Coyote or something saying, I am happy, I am sad. Um, clearly, those are not Wiley Coyote signs. He would say like yipes or something. But without those signs, if you know someone, they walk into the room and the way they are carrying so- themselves, the way they are moving their body, the way their facial expressions are, you know exactly what that person is thinking and what that person is feeling in that moment, the second they walk into the room. As a writer, your challenge is to make sure your reader has such a connection with your main characters that the second they walk into the page without having to say, Larissa was feeling nervous today, okay? Um, "Ira was really excited. I mean, how helpful is that? Versus creating a moment through their mannerisms, through their small actions, through their body language that not only differentiates who they are as individuals, but also shows their emotional state in a moment. It's a challenge, but Zach, this is where we get back down to the checklists and spreadsheets. I know everybody is not this person, but I absolutely have an Excel spreadsheet of all of my major characters in any fiction. And I have a list of, okay, here are all of my emotions written down, all of my characters written down the other direction. What are my go-to body language mannerisms for, every single character when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're nervous, all of this stuff. And suddenly I don't have to use these telling words. We always talk about show versus tell. We don't have to use these telling verbs to over explain to someone. We're just introducing our characters in a way so our readers are so familiar with them that they get it. Just the second they appear on the page and do something, they get it. That's the challenge. And that's where beta readers, developmental editors can help us push a little bit farther on all these details because this is where it all comes alive.
1: Yeah. And you're not going to catch everything. That's the thing. I'm a huge advocate of of world building and character building and doing all of that work before you start writing a book Um, and then letting the story kind of fill in the gaps, but you're still not going to catch everything. And that's why this, this part of editing is so important because you know, you may have identical twins and they may walk into a room, but there has to be something different between them. And just like there would be in real life because are are we are defined by our own experiences and what goes on in our head and so therefore there's nobody like us um and and you and you know through this editing process you can, with help you can catch these things or add little mannerisms or or such and so forth it's definitely something that that should be focused on
2: absolutely and One thing, whether we're talking New Year's resolutions or whatever, we're talking at different times of years, one thing that I always like to remind people with editing, because as we've said, when are you finished? How do you stop when you're going through all of this process? One thing I like to do for myself, um, I do this especially in the proofreading stage at the very end, but really at any given point of the writing process. When you are writing, it's easy to sit down, be absorbed by your story, let the muse take you where she will, if that is where your heart is. And you can just get in the zone and go and go and go and go with editing it is a much more analytical process your brain gets tired so what i always recommend on the editing side of things is to set a timer for yourself set on your cell phone 20 minutes and say you know what i'm going to have a focus for 20 minutes and only 20 minutes i am going to focus really hard on specificity with the descriptions of my backgrounds or of my locations or whatever it is, choose one specific editing task and focus in. So you can kind of get in the zone, you can find your groove, get in the flow with one specific thing, but give yourself a 20 minute timer to focus on it and then give yourself a mental break because you can't focus on commas commas and sentence structure Your brain just gets tired if you start going for too long and you're going to miss stuff, as you said. So, whether no matter what stage you are in in the editing process, give yourself a 20 minute timer, a 10 minute timer, whatever works for you. If it's a two minute timer, you know what? You can get a heck of a lot of stuff done in two minutes, but give yourself a timer and just go, 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 and then give yourself a break. Because again, it's checking things off the list and baby steps. That's how we get there.
1: Yeah. No, I like that. That's that's a good way of doing it because you can exhaust yourself and it, it can be a very overwhelming thing. I mean, sitting down on page one to write already feels overwhelming enough because you have to get right. to the end to the end. But then you know, you want to be done. You want to be completely done, but you need to accept you're going to read this thing probably a dozen or more times still. And, and that's, and that's a, a good point. And, and that's on the low end. Um, you it's know, true. and then and then you get it published and you have to go out and read it some more. Um
2: exactly. This is why
1: authors say I don't want to ever read my book again. But it's but the my, my point is just that when when you get the get to the editing party, it's just like starting over and, and it can feel very, very overwhelming. Um I I I like to use the um the uh the drone analogy, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees sort of thing. <laughs> um, you know, you're in it, you're in the middle of it, and you can only see the things that are within your line of sight. Um, as a writer, as as a creator of the story, um, and editing for me is kind of like taking a drone and launching it 200 feet up in the air so that you get the bigger picture, and you can focus in on the smaller details that you couldn't have seen from where you were. Um, and And I feel like being able to see the entire thing, taking that moment, whether it's creating a list or really stepping away long enough to, to kind of cleanse the palette, um, having that, that larger approach to it, being able to see everything kind of helps focus you.
2: Absolutely. It absolutely yeah. does.
1: Um, I could talk for days about editing, but there was something else before we run out of time here, something else that I know that you're very passionate about. Um, and that is author branding. And I'm just curious, cause it means something different to everybody. And I'm curious what author branding means to you and why you believe that it's so important for an author.
2: It's true. And yes, um, I'm with you that I could talk for editing for days of the celebration of the pause of the taking it in phases kind of that's Mm -hmm. the big pieces for me for editing. Know your lists go through it. But yes, once we sell the book, right, once our world is out there, we are talking to readers. What does it mean to have an author brand? It is not just the font choice and the color palette that you use on Instagram. Um, it is not just the book covers. Author branding is so important because it's not just um, even the genre. Because so many people want to say, OK, I'm an author. I am known for this one thing. And you know what? You should be known for this one thing, but it does not necessarily mean that I am Chris Zach. I am known for writing a fiction that is intertwined with world storytelling. Um, yes, I hope that is one thing I am known for. Um, But when it comes to author branding, you want to know kind of what your mission statement is. And if that sounds a little bit too corporate speak, just hang in with me for a second here. (laughs) So why is it that you write? What is it that you want to be known for? So maybe you want to be known for a specific niche of fantasy, of romance, of horror, of upmarket fiction, of memoir or whatever it is. But no matter what it is you write, you have a purpose you have a mission and if you can get your identity as an author out there into one sentence, you can write any genre that you want, as long as you are staying true to that focus. For example, I write in fiction and nonfiction. I have um, workbooks that are helping empower other writers, but I also have a lot of analysis of other stories that I have a lot of um, Analysis of grammar and language. Um, So what am I doing here? How am I bouncing between genres? Well, every single thing that I have written and that I will write in the foreseeable future falls under this bucket of how well written words and well told stories change the world. Everything I do falls into this bucket, whether you are the one writing the story, conceiving of the words, or whether we are analyzing old famous stories and thinking about them in new ways. As an author, you have to think about what is your purpose? Again, branding means many, many things and there are many marketing concepts, but if you can get yourself down to your purpose, your mission as an author, suddenly your doors are opened and not only can you come up with your marketing strategy on Instagram and TikTok and whatever <laughs> a social media giant you are on, you can find your content pillars and we can talk about all of that. But if you can figure out your mission as an author, it opens up beyond genre and appearance. And all of a sudden you're just off to the races and you know what to talk about at your book talks, you know, kind of where to put yourself and how to how you fit into the global publishing conversation?
1: It's interesting because there's there's two things that I immediately think of there. One, um that is the very first time like I've been doing Broadleaf now for eight years, and I even, you know, author talks before that in various organizations and companies. So I've been doing this for twenty years and heard branding come up at least for the last fifteen, let's say since two thousand and eight, which is relevant to my point that's the first time I've ever heard that answered without mentioning social media. And I love that. I love that. And, and, and the second thing is, and the reason why I love that so much is because it parallels your story. You know, you're creating the story and one of the most fundamental aspects of your story is its theme is what is it, what is it trying to tell? What is it about? And, um, and so creating an author brand is no different. It's what are you about? What are your books about? You know, what are you trying to do? And uh, I love that answer.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's the hero's journey, except for you are the hero. So you get to claim it and you have to define it.
1: Yep. Love that. Um, Well, a couple more things. And and then unfortunately, we're going to have to bring it to an end. Um, What? What writing resources, and you mentioned that edit, there aren't a lot of books on editing, obviously, but what writing resources would you advise for writers? What What meant something to you that you would advise other writers check into?
2: I feel like the more diversely you read, the more empowered you are to understand all aspects of your writing. So... People tell you to read really hard if you're a writer because this is how you become a better writer. But I just wanna echo that concept because reading your genre and knowing the conventions of your genre, reading outside of your genre and knowing all this, reading contemporary fiction, reading past fiction, um, the more you read, the more you write, the more empowered you will be as a writer. So listen to audiobooks and think about where is your attention distracted? listen or read anything and don't just read as a read as a reader read and analyze the first paragraph of your favorite book the first chapter of a book that you decided to put down and return to the library read as a writer and all of a sudden your own toolkit expands dramatically
1: and now i'll, I'll... Add on to that, um, find your local writing community, get involved. If there's a writing organization that is headed it or writing organizations, as it is in the Atlanta area, become a member, get involved, meet people, ask questions, go to programs, listen to podcasts, whatever you need to do. You know, it's it's not always about cracking open a book. Um, and, and I think that it's very, very important.
2: Absolutely. My my writing community is where I can go to chat about the voices inside my head with people who get it.
1: <laughs> who don't <laughs> think you're crazy
2: for that. Like it could be a problem, but no, the writers get it like other mm. people don't. So writers can be fabulous, but writing, my writing community, shout out to James River Writers in Richmond, um, shout out to Broadleaf there in Atlanta. Mm. I found my literary agent by moderating a panel where she was sitting on that panel and I wasn't pitching her at the time. We just ended up going out or we just ended up having drinks and connecting. And we, she's been my literary agent since 2016. Um, I'm, my fifth book comes out next year. Um, and that's because I met her through my writing community. My beta readers, my um, yes, yeah, all of my closest writing community friends um people for endorsements, all sorts of things of the connections you make. But just remember in your writing community, you're not just there to take and learn. You are there to give. And the more you give to your local writing community, whether that local or whether that is a local writing community or a genre specific international community, the more you give, the more you will be able to have have yeah. back.
1: Yeah. And I, I will echo that sentiment which you, you said earlier when we were talking about beta readers um don't go to your writing community or beta readers or critique partners um with anything but the intention of giving for what you receive um because it, it has to work that way you can't can't use the people around you um you have to share and to uh to do the work as well
2: yes but i want to echo again as we're wrapping up here whatever stage you are in with the writing process, whether you are just exploring this idea that you've always wanted to be a writer, claim what you are. If you want to be a writer and you have written a sentence, you are a writer. Own it. Celebrate Mm -hmm. it. Think how glorious it is that you have a story to tell and you are going to put it down on paper, on a keyboard, however you do it. Own the fact that you're a writer. Celebrate the fact that you're a writer and you have a voice and you have a story and keep going.
1: I love it. Um, all right. So um, thank you for your time. And and for those who are listening, where can people find out more about you or find your books?
2: Um, you can go to chrisspezak.com It's Chris, K-R-I-S hyphen spisak, S-P-I-S-A-K.com. Um, I have a whole lot of fun on Instagram. Um, I have a monthly newsletter where we can geek out about language and storytelling and writing tips and how words have changed human history. Um, follow along with any of the above. Join my newsletter. And again, Zach, thank you so much for having me.
1: Uh, it was awesome. Um, I, I wish you all the best in your writing, and uh, you have a book coming out, and hopefully, uh, we will see each other again live and in person sometime soon. Definitely.
0: All right. Thanks, Chris.